through 32. It's good to have that in front of you as we look at this text together. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we see in our text, in Acts 20, the final words spoken by the Apostle to the elders at Ephesus. The final words spoken by someone you love are unforgettable words and so meaningful that we often remember them for a long time. Your last memory of someone you love is often so powerful that it can change your life, your perspective for the rest of of your life. And our text is a part of the final words of Paul to the Ephesian overseers who had traveled some 45 kilometers to meet him while the ship he was traveling on was unloading and and reloading again. And he told them that none would see his face again, and they were very sad about this. His final message for these office bearers in Ephesus continues to serve the church of Jesus Christ unto this very day. And we can especially think of it today as we have an ordination of an office bearer, as an elder, uh, John Gritter. When we think about Paul's final words to the Ephesian overseers, seems to include both elders but also deacons. It speaks of the ministry of mercy in the, in the final verses to ensure that that continues. We see that there's a lot of context in the other books of the New Testament that speak of that church in Ephesus. You can read about that church in Acts 18 and chapter 19. You can think of the the letter that Paul wrote to the church, letter that's called the Ephesians. You can think of the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, because Timothy too was working in Ephesus. That's even when Timothy gave all the guidelines about office bearers. And finally, we can see that even after he ascended into heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ, again, he spoke to uh, the church at Ephesus. You read about that in Revelation chapter 2. In all this context, we also see how Paul himself had worked in Ephesus, and he, he speaks about that. He's, he defends himself as a faithful preacher of the gospel in that city. He speaks of how much he suffered in, in all places for the kingdom of God, And he pointed the church to the the purity of his life and the fearlessness of his ministry and the hard work that he had done. That too was part of the instruction that surrounds the actual words that we have in our text. And as we look at this big picture, we can right away see that faithfully caring for the church of Christ is a difficult job. It's something that takes a, a lot of time and effort. We are certainly as office bearers dependent on God's grace. The message of hope and comfort for us today is that Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, the Good Shepherd, has not left the office bearers here to serve Him without His help. And I preach that gospel to you. Office bearers, elders are entrusted to God and the word of His grace. We'll see, just following our text, the task of the shepherds, the danger of wolves, and the hope of the flock. Now it's striking that Paul begins his instruction to the elders to tell them to pay careful attention to themselves. 
That makes good sense. You can think anytime you, you have a new job or a new occupation, if you want to do it well, you need to be prepared. You need to keep yourself up to date with all the new developments and the technology that's out there. Well, the word that Paul uses here for the elders is quite strong. He's urging, he's urging elders, office bearers to be concerned about themselves, to turn their minds to their own care. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 7, he writes specifically, train yourself in God, for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. The Lord instructs elders to train themselves to be godly. Think about godliness all the time. And in this way, as Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4, you can set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And again, we can see that those who care very little for their own walk of life, they set a poor example. But godly leaders will realize that their godly doctrine and conduct serves as an example that actually builds the congregation up. Office bearers need to make sacrifices of, in the use of their time for the sake of the kingdom of God. There's some things they must give up to serve others. But at the same time, Paul reminds them that, that they should not just abandon their own godly conduct, their own families, their own task for the sake of this calling that doesn't give a good example of work in the kingdom of God. The two go together. Office bearers, elders must have concern for the responsibilities in their homes as well as in the congregations. And this task, Paul says, is to watch over the flock which the, over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The Holy Spirit has made these men overseers. It's important to see that, that the men we have as overseers are not in their position merely as a result of a human vote, but that it is the will of God that these men, and now today we may, we may point also to John Gritter, that they may serve in their position in this building, in this congregation at this time. That's the will of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. And even though the office bearers themselves may not have been expecting that they would be chosen to, to serve in this way and, and sometimes even wonder why, why did God choose me at this time for this task, the Lord wants the office bearers to see the hand of the Holy Spirit, to accept His hand in their ordination. And then the mandate for the office bearers, and we'll read more about that in the form is the mandate that Paul explains using that very well-known imagery of being a shepherd, an under-shepherd of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And the task is just what a shepherd does. It's an excellent imagery to use. Shepherds pay careful attention to the flock entrusted to them. Shepherds serve as overseers. They're called to 
to see over or supervise the, the congregation. They care for the church of God. We sang about it in Psalm 23. Uh, office bearers and elders, shepherds, make sure the, the flock is nourished, leading the sheep beside still waters and nourishing them with green pastures. They are, as we read in Luke 15, shepherds are to gather the lambs together, to hold them close to them like our Lord speaks about in Isaiah 40. And then Luke 15, he, they are to look out for the sheep and the lambs that wander away to bring them back to the fold, sometimes even carrying them on their shoulders because when you find a, a wandering sheep, they're so weak and lost that they cannot even walk in their own strength. They are to guard the flock against enemies at all times. John 10 makes that very clear. Shepherds were called upon to serve the flock by leading them. And that's because in this imagery, and I think in reality we can see it as well, sheep are very dependent on the care of our good Father in heaven. And as the office bearer is compared to a shepherd, so the congregation, we together, we're compared to sheep. Sheep are gentle animals when they have their food. Sheep enjoy the company of others. However, with their head down and their focus on the food before them, sheep are not always aware of the dangers that are out there. They have a tendency to, to go astray. And when one goes, then others sort of follow without much thought. And so sheep become easy prey. But the dependency of the sheep does not, does not mean that the sheep are not valuable in God's sight. Just because the sheep are dependent, it doesn't mean that they're not dearly loved by the shepherd. And so Paul urges the elders to remember that the flock is the church of God. The church that he obtained with his own blood. He gave his blood for the flock. And the church of God consists of all those who have been called out of the world and set apart for God. And then as we read the letter to the Ephesians, we can see that, that God did his gathering already and is already before the foundation of the world. And he, and he made us his people through the blood of his son Jesus Christ. And God is at work in the church that, that office bearers care for by his Holy Spirit, preparing them for works of service. God bought the members of the church with his own blood. We are his possession. When someone buys something with their own blood, it shows the, the depth of love, the depth of a commitment, the value that he places on his sheep. And so the office bearers need to value God's people as his prized possession, caring for those he bought with his own blood with the same love and, and attention that God would show to them, is showing to them. And his parents act like shepherds when they guide their children with a rod and staff without being overly sensitive to disrespectful responses and without allowing personal feelings to interfere. 
So elders are to ensure that all God's people know His will, are guided in His paths. We must care for one another in all aspects, spiritually and emotionally and physically. This pressing need is, is highlighted by the urgency of the, this task in today's world so filled with dangers. And Paul gives a very serious warning to the Ephesians about wolves. In Paul's day, as today, wolves are terrifying. They're, they're repulsive. They, wolves have this aura about them. They invoke, invoke fear long before they attack. They are, they're intimidating. They're, they're silent. They run along in the shadows. When you're walking along a path, they, they have this self-disciplined patience. They lurk in the shadows. They fight in the dark. They look for the, the weak members. And when they catch their prey, they are ruthless in their takedown, not sparing the flock, complete in their consumption, unashamed of, of gorging themselves on their prey. It's quite an image that Paul uses to warn us of the dangers that we as flock are in. And a sheep is an easy prey for a tar- for easy target for a wolf. And so Paul's warning is, is, is vivid and, and filled with detail. And his words are chilling. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. That's in verse 29. Paul knows this because the Son of God, Jesus Christ, when He was on earth and He was teaching, He warned about false teachers who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ferocious wolves. And because the Lord Jesus, when He sent out His apostles in Matthew 10, He told them, He said, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Well, the wolves then, in Paul's analogy, they include false teachers. Anyone who might lead people away from Jesus Christ or outside of of the church or outside of the fold with their deceitful offers and worldly ideas. Paul says that these wolves can even come in among us. They can infiltrate the sheep. They can enter. We can think of how the the, the wolves of Satan can even infiltrate our minds through the media, desensitizing us to sin so that we hardly object to the, the worldly acceptance of sexual immorality. In a corner here, we see it, or spring, springing up right, right there in, in, in the midst of the, the congregation. We start getting this impression that holiness and pursuing the Lord is, is uncool. Or that we should always be defending our rights and our privileges. This kind of thinking enters even into the congregation bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And then there's extravagance and greed, and worldly living. They're almost becoming in our minds the the basic standard of the day. And really, our throats are exposed through our focus on ourselves. Well, whether it be materialism, or sexual immorality, or individualism, or a lack of faith in the power of God through His Word, or selfishness, whether the attacks are in Corinth 
hundreds of years ago, or in Ephesus, or in Galatia, or in Edmonton. The wolves, says Paul, will not spare the flock. They don't show mercy. Paul warned Timothy, the pastor at Ephesus, and you can read that in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1-9, to just so you know what to be on guard on. He said there will be terrible times in the last days. He explains how the church itself will, will turn away, struggle with temptations and weaknesses. And so Paul's exhortation to the office bearers is that they need to be alert. They need to, to be informed about the dangers that are out there and the, the dangers that are seeping in. It's a command to elders, to leaders in, in the homes as well to, to get a good understanding about the kinds of things that are happening in the world. A good understanding of what God reveals in His Word. And then we can see what doesn't belong in the church, what doesn't belong in our families. And so it is the task of an elder to also get a good understanding of the congregation, observing how we are entertained, how we communicate with one another, how we see the world, and how that compares with God's Word. It also can happen, Paul says in verse 30, that from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw disciples after them. That's in verse 30. Even in the church, there can be rebellious sheep among the hypoc- or alongside hypocrites who are really like gallstones in the body, present in the body, but not really a part of the body. The Holy Spirit warns us that they may speak twisted things, which means that whether intentionally or not, they are twisting what people say. They are undermining other people by making what they say look worse than it is. And by assuming the worst of other people in the church, they end up justifying their own bitterness and their own anger. And yes, their own sins. Paul warns that they may even try to get others to follow them in their divisive, their schismatic behavior by voicing criticisms and undermining the respect and love that we are called to show to one another. That's the picture Paul gives. And as we, as we think about this, and we think about what we've said and how we've lived our lives, we see how often we can become negative. We can become critical in our thoughts and our words to others. We can avoid people instead of showing love. How subtle the devil can be as he works his destruction in a local congregation through his works. That's what we confess they are. His works of gossip and slander. Makes us ask, each one of us ourselves, are my, are my conversations and are my contributions serving the joy and the unity of this congregation? Or are they serving the devil's purposes of sowing seeds of discord and sorrow? Even if I have legitimate concerns, am I addressing them directly based on facts? Or am I speaking twisted things to people to draw them to myself and create a little clique of discontent schismatics? We ask these questions because we 
we see that that happens. It's not uncommon in any large group of people. Then the words of Paul are very clear and very cutting, and the warning is very important for us. The Holy Spirit's word to the elders in in Ephesus was to be alert, to, to see the wolves from without and the ungodly schismatics from within. Remember, says Paul in verse 31, remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. The tears are because of the failures, the invasiveness of sin. The night and day point to the diligence of Paul, the office bearer. And the mention of three years reminds us that there are no quick fixes. Paul's solution was to preach the gospel. His solution, we also read, was to admonish the congregation with love. Admonishment includes teaching and discipline. The response to attacks from without is to instruct and to warn from the Word of God. The response to attacks from within is to censure and to discipline and love with the prayer that the sheep might return to the only hope of the flock, which is in Jesus Christ. In Titus chapter 1, verse 7, we are reminded that an elder, an overseer, is entrusted with God's work. And think about that. It's not office bearer's work. It's God's work entrusted to just a person, a mere man. It's his duty, we read in 1 Timothy 3, verse 5, to take care of God's church. And he does this, we read in 1 Peter 2, verse 25, as a servant of Jesus Christ who is the chief shepherd and overseer of your souls. It's a great responsibility then that the Lord has given to the elder of a local church. And although we may wonder how these people so filled with weaknesses can can do it, we trust in the Lord who has decided to appoint the office bearers with this task. We trust in His wisdom. We trust in His love for the congregation. We trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not about the instrument, but it is about the master craftsman who chose the instrument and decided to use it at this time, even though that instrument may need some more sharpening. We show that we trust in God's work in the lives of our elders and in our lives through the elders by joining the Apostle who ended this instruction by commending the elders of of Ephesus to God and to the word of His grace. We read that in verse 32. The word of His grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And today, it's what we do. Today we commend John Gritter to God and to the word of His grace. We entrust the elders in their task to God who ordained them through the congregation, knowing that there is no support that is more powerful or or no power that is more wise than our God in heaven. 
We commend them to the word of his grace, which has the power to bring life, just as it had for Paul, who was converted from a wolf to a sheep in a moment. The Holy Spirit wants God's people to know his grace. We commend our office bearers to that word of grace. Grace, and not a list of rules and hurdles that we must cross over to be saved, but we entrust them to grace and that they may reflect and teach God's grace to us, all the blessings we have in Jesus Christ. And so as we look forward, we we can see it, commending our office bearers to God and the word of his grace. The future of the congregation depends on God and on the word of his grace and not on mere men. And we find comfort and hope in that promise. It's interesting to look at Revelation 2. The Lord Jesus praises the church at Ephesus there for persevering in the truth. It shows that Paul was right to commend them into the care of the Lord. He commended them into the care of the Lord. And then you read later, they, were, they persevered in God's grace. Both the shepherds and the sheep Both the elders and the congregation need Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, to lead them. And Christ administers this grace in our lives through the preaching and through the sacraments and through the pastoral care of the under-shepherds who come beside the flock of God also from house to house. May we, obtained by the blood of the Son of God, May we receive God's merciful care with thanksgiving, with joy. Our hope is in Him. And in Christ we may look forward to the inheritance among all who are sanctified. Amen. We'll sing together now Psalm 35.